0: Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast for working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today my guest is Armin Taylor. I've known Armin over the years from workshops, and I can safely say that he is quite talented and quite the gentleman. We chat his amazing agent, Dean Pinaro, his Seattle to New York to LA epiphany-filled journey, and lots of other fun stuff. Look, you're gonna love him. I'm gonna just just trust me. The first question that I like to ask is what is the very first paid voice acting gig you got? And what are some of your favorite ones or just like interesting ones that you can talk about?
1: I think my first one I got was, uh, an audio book. Um, this is back before I was even thinking of doing VO as like a full-time thing. I I was, I came out to LA to do on camera and, uh, a woman reached out to me and she listened to a sample or, or something um and she reached out and asked if I'd, I'd narrate her audiobook for her and I was like absolutely I you know I'll give it a try um which was cool and then it was I think I did that and then it was like two years later I once I had gotten my mind around the idea of doing voiceover as a as my career and a passion um my first one was uh Bang Zoom brought me in to do additional voices on uh JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamonds are Unbreakable, I want to say. Um, I might be wrong. Or Stardust Stardust Crusaders. And I did Additional Voices in in the fall of 2017.
0: Very nice. Wow, that's a... You know, this kind of backfired because usually... The the point of this question is to show like, especially if somebody's done a bunch of work, usually their very first gig is like this hole in the wall, like whatever, this industrial or sure. something, so that you can see that there's growth. But oh. I mean, you started with an awesome one, so I'm gonna edit this out. We'll start over.
1: You can <laughs> <laughs> Great, I'll tell you something else. <laughs> uh, no, no. But, but truly, like it was, it was, um, uh, you know, to, to put it into the perspective that you just mentioned, I think it was another. Couple months before I had another one, you know, like and, and that and that audiobook, that woman was so lovely to me, but it paid not very much, and it was sure. you know a hundred and something hours of work on my end. I think I, I i don't even think I made minimum wage when you factored in oh, wow. the amount of time it took me to do my first audiobook, so right, no, it's not some industrial hole in the wall, but it was equally unglamorous in its own right.
0: <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> yes, uh,
1: I want to make sure I hit sure <laughs> that point for you.
0: Well, that's interesting, so um, you know. Before I hop into the next question, I typically ask. I mean, obviously, you've done a bunch of audiobooks, and your very first gig was an audiobook. Yeah. Audiobooks are a marathon, as as yeah. many can attest. So, did that? How did that not scare you away? That being the first gig that you did, how many hours you put into it, and how little sort of financial reward you got from it? How how did you not get scared away from voiceover?
1: I mean, I think honestly, part of it was that you know, as I said before, I came to do came here to do on camera, and I got to do. You know, I did it couple student films here and there, a couple, you know, a couple indie projects. Um I was fortunate enough to do a couple commercials, but really by 2016, 2017, I had no on-camera career to speak of. And it wasn't one didn't seem like it was going to be appearing. And I was taking classes and, you know, doing workshops and going and it just wasn't happening. And so I think what why it didn't scare me was that I got to for a hundred hours be employed as an actor um doing what I had trained to do and what I came here to complete or, or to, to, um, try to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so this was the in that, that responded to me. And so it was like, even if it's a grind and it's a lot of work, I'd rather do this than continue waiting tables with no chance of uh, a career materializing. Mm-hmm. Got
0: so. it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you know, it's, Yeah, it's validation and it's
1: it's validation. Yeah.
0: You know, like uh, it's it's hard to I mean, as much as training and everything is helpful. If you say you're an actor and you're you have no gigs to, you know, to prove it, you just have years and years of training. It it can definitely weigh you down mentally, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, but uh so before we get into all of that i mean we'll touch on on the waiting tables on the on camera stuff on on audiobooks a bunch of other things but we'll start from the very beginning so what is your origin story where did you grow up and how did performance begin to come into play
1: uh well i was very young when i was born um (laughs) and uh no i'm from seattle originally um uh born and raised there and uh i wasn't one of those kids who i didn't do musical theater i did one play in uh, high school you had to do like you had to have a, a certain sort of spread of classes um and doing something with the theater department was one of the requirements so you could kind of do stagecraft or you could do a play or something so i did a play um i was terrible uh but i was also i was 16 years old and i was you know mortified of anyone thinking i looked foolish so therefore i was terrible sure, i had like yeah. tough lines i mean it was no no big uh no yeah. big start um sure. and yeah and i'd grown up with theater in that my mom loved going to uh the the theater in seattle uh act theater mm-hmm. and so i've been really involved I, i'd gone to a lot of plays my mom was involved not as a on the business side not as a performer so i'd okay. sort of grown up around it and was very familiar with it but it wasn't I never thought of it as a career that I would pursue certainly. And um, Mm -hmm. though it is funny because when I, so I did that, I went off to college, wasn't going to do acting at all. Finally in my senior year decided to do a complete one hundred and eighty and give acting a try. Mm -hmm. And my family was like, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) No, I thought this was a big, like change, the total shift in my, my worldview. And they were like, no, you were kind of a really big ham when you were a kid and you'd always, and then once I got further into voiceover, they're like, oh, this was you know, my, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins. They're like, no, this was you since you were four. Like, you would talk in accents all the time. You'd be playing with your, like, I'd be playing with my toys and every character would have, every toy would have a different character voice. I don't really remember it that way, but everyone else, like, no, that this is 100% you from the jump, so...
0: Mm-hmm. that's awesome <laughs> well that's... you know if you were the if they saw you as the performer that sort of had a flair for the dramatics like did any part of you when they said oh that makes sense say like
1: well i don't want to do it anymore then like you know like did it lose its way yeah, i think in a way i was like i thought there was you know it was this big like uh, uh i'm gonna use this term <clears throat> um with no disrespect given the weight of uh, what it means to people who have to go through this but like coming out in a way because i Like I was on track to going and going to Wall Street or uh, going doing investment banking or consulting in New York. Like I was not going to be an actor. And so when I was like, "Hey family, I I uh, I have this thing. I think I I think I want to do." Like it felt like it was this huge reveal of something of myself that wasn't going to go well. And it's like, yeah, okay, that makes (laughs) sense. And I was like, wait, wait, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. I I put all my I was I spent the last two weeks being terrified of how I'm going to tell you while I'm home for Christmas, and and it doesn't matter. Like what? (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's awesome i I could kind of relate myself (laughs) (laughs) well um that's interesting but i'll backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that your mom was kind of around it but more on the business side what specifically did she do uh
1: she was uh um she came in to help them they they went through a little little tough time uh they had some problem with fundraising and then some mismanagement of funds and they were going to have to shut down and go out of business and um my mom's a lawyer and she came in and basically volunteered her a year of her life to um be the president of the board for them to get them back you know back on track and, and sort of turn the ship around mm-hmm. um That's awesome. had no, had, yeah it was it was great it, it wasn't that she was like oh I've always loved the theater and I want to do this it was she's she loves a cause um especially ones in, in the liberal arts and 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 with performance so
0: Nice. I yeah. feel like I feel like I'm about to reiterate your family and say, well, that makes sense because you like you strike me as having definitely inherited that from her. Oh um, thank you. Yeah. From what I know of you. But before, you know, and, and as deep as that is, I'm gonna have to ask a couple shallow questions Ooh. because uh one, obviously you're you're a tall man. Were you were you always like the tallest kid or did you hit a growth spurt all of a sudden?
1: Uh I remember distinctly in fifth grade being shorter than like half the girls in the class though you know women grow develop faster than men right. so there's one one person in particular i'm thinking of who she is like five two maybe and mm-hmm. she was five two in fifth grade and she was the tallest girl in the class and everyone's like oh my god kendall's a giant and now <laughs> kendall's you know five two and and yeah. a tiny little thing by comparison
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh i think i tip, oh, let's see really seventh and eighth grade like that you know, that period from the start of seventh grade till the summer before ninth grade was I went from being sort of the average, you know, taller, but not that tall to um, people being like, holy shit, you're tall.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and how did that, you know, how did that make you feel when people would, uh, when it was so striking to others? I mean, did you care about it or were you like,
1: you I don't know? I don't think I really paid much. I mean, my dad's tall. He's not as tall as me. My mm-hmm. grandfather was tall. Uh it was a tall family. My mom is tall. So it wasn't I didn't feel abnormally tall. Also, my friends, um, I got into rowing uh at the start of high school. And so everyone in rowing is tall. So it was all very normal to me. Mm-hmm. Um up until up until I went off to acting school, I think most of my friends were either my height, a little taller, or just a little shorter. So it wasn't until I was like 24, 25 that I reintegrated the world and was like, wait. Why is no one else this tall? Why are you all short? What happened?
0: <laughs> oh man, you're you're speaking to my envy because I my older brother is six six, and I always say, I mean, that's when the rivalry with my twin started because like he you stole my nutrients. Yeah, he's uh, I have a twin that lives in uh, in France. His wife is French. He's oh, wow. got a little nephew now, which is yeah, I know it's it must be
1: um, Paris. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be. Th- I'm leaving for France tomorrow. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So awesome. I probably won't see him. But if I run into someone,
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. yeah, just be sure to call him Sean. Sean, he'll love that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyways, had he not existed, I would have had all the nutrients to overpower my six foot six brother. That's That's how science works. That is that is
1: fact. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, So when you were, you know, in high school, did uh, did you have any like basketball or volleyball coaches come up to you just because you were tall and say, hey, you want to try this
1: out? Yeah, no, I, I did uh, like in eighth grade and ninth grade, I did basketball and I was okay. terrible. I had <laughs> a horrendous hand-eye coordination. I also had no like drive or work ethic uh, or competitiveness when it came to athleticism or athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my Again, my family telling a story of in kindergarten, I was on the um, the soccer team uh for like a season and they described it as like a rainy day and it was muddy and it was a game like some saturday early saturday or sunday morning and all the kids were like you know wrestling with each other to get the ball yes it's soccer it's not football but they were like you know they were all in the scrum trying to get the ball and i just stood there with my arms crossed like 10 feet away just looking at them like they were idiots i was like i don't want to get wet and muddy and dirty no i'm not i'm not gonna do that
0: um ahead of your time
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah so people wanted me to do basketball and i was i mean I was so also I grew grew so much so quickly that I just had no chance of having good hand eye coordination. Uh, so it wasn't until I got into rowing that like on the third day of rowing, this monster woke inside of me and I was like hyper competitive and like super (laughs) like found this like aggression inside of me. I was like, we have to win all the time. Whereas (laughs) I was like, I don't care, they're donuts, it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Interesting. So um uh you know, just to bring it back to the topic at hand, I know you mentioned that you had you know your first sort of soiree into theater you were about 16 it didn't go too well and then you went to college uh for my research i'm gonna have to read this this very complicated degree but um so you went to brown university got your degree in early modern european with a focus on colonialism yes so what uh, what did you think you were going to be maybe like a teacher at that point or were you just interested in the subject matter what was your thought process
1: well it kind of just was what I fell into which I sort of describes I guess uh, a lot of my career and or things and I think that's true for a lot of us uh mm-hmm. in the entertainment industry you sort of fall into things um it just sort of worked out that at the moment that I had to declare a major sorry they called it a concentration excuse me mm-hmm. um you there wasn't a major you were concentrating in this um <laughs> it was I it was either the beginning of my junior year I think And you had, you went and sat down with an advisor and they were sort of like, well, what are you doing with your life? And most people knew like the engineer engineering students knew all that pre-med people were on a path and I was just not. And so the, she literally, I remember her just looking through the classes I'd taken and going one, two, three, four, five. Well, if you do two more in this and one in this, you have uh, a degree in history um, (laughs) with a focus on early modern European history. And uh, if you take this class, technically, it'll be more focused on colonialism. And I was like, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> Carry on. Interesting. Um, so it wasn't, I wasn't planning on becoming a teacher. I wasn't planning on doing anything with it. It was just, mm-hmm. I love history and I, I, I've always had an affinity for it. So it was just, I don't want to make this sound like I'm lazy. It was kind of the easiest, most obvious choice that didn't require me to, because I liked taking in college, I, it had an open curriculum, so you had no requirements outside of your concentrations requirements and i liked being able to take a bunch of different classes so i didn't want to do an econ degree where you had a certain number history was like you had eight or ten that you had to take and that way i could take as many other things as i wanted to um i see so yeah. Yeah, freedom Okay.
0: yeah that's a that's interesting yeah you obviously don't want to be t- so tied into your major you can't explore any other options right, exactly but at the same time at least for me like when i went to college the first two years you have to take a. Like wow, cool classes, good.
1: right? Like math and the usual.
0: Well, yeah, some of that, but basically like generic classes and stuff to fill yeah, up yeah. your curriculum. And um, that was great because you want to explore things. But for me, some of the things I want to explore, those classes you can only take if you are those majors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like the ones I can explore is like folklore and witchcraft and other. And it's like, well, that's great, but like, you know, I'd rather just not have to go to school and not sure, yeah. <laughs> if I'm studying something completely different. Um, so it's a balancing act, but. You mentioned you were thinking of, um, sort of going into finance, possibly. Obviously, that's different from your major. What led to that decision? Did you just have friends that kind of went that route?
1: It was it was a pretty obvious pipeline. I think all my colleagues and friends, pretty much the vast majority, they were either all pre-med or they be, were pre-law or they went into finance. It was, that mm-hmm. was it. And so it was just like, well, that's what I'm going to do. Again, kind of like just going to fall into it. Like that's what people do. I didn't have any particular passion for it. Right. Um but then my senior year, I, I took a year off. I took what would have been my senior year off. So I was there for three. I took a year off and I came back and, and did the last year. And so all my friends who I'd been in sort of lockstep with the whole way, they all graduated and were now in their first year of working for, you know, Goldman Sachs or, or, or Stanley... Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley, I almost said Stanley Tucci. Uh, yeah. None of them were working for Stanley <laughs> Tucci. Um, the
0: one that was, was incredibly happy. Was, everybody was else,
1: deliriously happy. Um, <laughs> but everyone else was miserable. They were working 100-hour weeks. Uh, sure, they were making a great salary for 23, 22, 24-year-olds, but so, so unhappy. And I was like, I do not want to do this. This sounds terrible to me. What is 180 degrees in the other direction? And I went, Acting? Sure. Why not? Uh, I had no concept for how much work would go into that. Um, How much work goes into building a career in this industry. And, you know, deeply, deeply rewarding work, but it's not the, uh, it's not the, um, you know, get a bus ticket, come out to LA, walk down the street. Yeah, and the Marilyn or the Norma Jean story that someone's gonna drive by you and be like, Hey, you kid, you have Moxie, come with me. You're gonna here, have a career in the pictures. Like, no. Yeah. No. You go to Hollywood now, really. It's get
0: the fuck out of the street. What are you <laughs> doing?
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Not Driving song. anywhere all looking at their phones. So no one would, you know, you could literally drive by Chris Hemsworth standing with his shirt off in the middle of the street and people would just like, go. <laughs> uh uh-huh, Yeah.
0: That's true. <laughs> um So at this point, when, you know, the gap between your first at 16 years old uh, theater experience and deciding you want to be an actor, did any other performance come into play? Or obviously when you were 16, that didn't, you know, that that wasn't the ideal experience. So so what made you sort of have the confidence to just give it a shot?
1: I have no idea. I'm going to be honest. I have <laughs> no idea. I, I I have to assume it was some degree of youthful arrogance and uh, self-assuredness that it was absolutely going to work out in my favor no matter what, mm-hmm. um, which I'm here to tell you is a, a healthy dose of that is helpful in this industry because there are a lot of setbacks, not not that the deck is stacked against us in any stretch of the imagination, but like mm-hmm. it takes time to build a career. And there are, you know, you have these wins, these, these momentary peaks of, you know, you book something or, or you get brought in for something or you get to announce something. And then obviously the longer into your career, you get the distance between those peaks becomes less and less. But in mm-hmm. the beginning, you know, it can be months before you book another thing. And like, if you look at, if I look back at my own career, not, not just in voiceover, but on camera, limited experience that that was. You know, I booked a national commercial and then it was almost two years before I booked anything else. You know, uh-huh. that thing. And then mm-hmm. so by the time I hit voiceover, I had a little more time under my belt, which helped, I think, expedite the process somewhat. Like it wasn't two years between VO bookings, mm-hmm. but it takes a while. And so you need this devout sense of faith in yourself that like you are going to make this happen. Other people are going to help you. You know, it's a big, wide world of us of us looking out for one another and and people making referrals on your behalf and and opening doors. But damn it all, you are going to make this happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, arrogance uh, and <laughs> belief in oneself are good. Are good. I don't mean arrogance like dickishness. I just mean like blind commitment to the notion to right. make this happen.
0: Yeah. No, but you're I, right about that. Because uh, obviously, like if 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 you go the other route and you have so much experience that you know how the the industry is and and the likeliness of booking each role, considering how many people are are auditioning, like you probably would never give a shot ever, at all. Ever. Um, And yeah, that's interesting because you're absolutely right about, you know, once you're lucky enough to book something, it'll more than likely be a long time before you book the next thing. And obviously financially, that booking won't sustain the next one most likely. So it's sort of more of a, it supplements you mentally for the next one to yeah. keep grinding and taking the training until, like you said, hopefully the gap between shrinks and shrinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you're absolutely right about that. So when you, um, decided to be an actor, you went to study in New York, right?
1: That's correct. The New York conservatory for dramatic arts, which is there a very is. pretentious name for a place that is not pretentious. in <laughs> Um, <laughs> Yeah, they were they originally called the school for film and television. And Mm -hmm. then uh, because it was it was taught the school was started by a oh, my goodness, I am going to totally forget what she did. I believe she was a casting director Mm -hmm. um, who became an acting coach and was like, I see all these great theater actors in New York who shit the bed when they get on uh, in front of a camera like they don't know how to act for for television Mm -hmm. or for commercials. And that's how you make a living in this town. This is in New York. And so she started this school and then like two years before I came, they got just big enough and just successful enough that they could sort of put up a new wall of paint and, and a new name and, and claim, uh, claim <laughs> more a title. words. To the yeah, exactly. add more words to the <laughs> title. Um, but yeah, it was a great, great experience. Yeah. Cool.
0: Was there a reason that you decided, cause you mentioned that you thought you wanted to do on camera acting, obviously like, there is that in New York, but LA is the main place for that type of work. So, was there a reason that you decided to study in New York? Uh,
1: yes. One, um, I was already on the East Coast. I had a lot of friends. You know, I was going to school out there. I had a lot of friends on the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, New York City. I'd always loved New York City. I mean, I'd only been there a couple of times, but it, it's so great. And yeah, I'd been to LA once when I was thirteen. And in my mind, I was like, well, I I will get to LA eventually, but it was sort of my last two years to live as a student, you know, who didn't have yeah. any real world responsibilities. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do that anywhere, New York's got to be the place to do that in. And I was lucky. I'm, I'm grateful that I did it after college because I think I, I may get this number totally wrong. So don't quote me on it. But I think the first year uh, students is like 200 something started 200, 250 started that first year. And by December, maybe a quarter were gone because it was a bunch of 18 year olds who'd come in from ohio no disrespect to ohio but like who'd come in from small towns and were like i'm gonna go to new york and study acting and then because they were 18 or 17 and they were so young they suddenly got to experience everything and if there's any city in the world where you're going to have a sensory overload it's new york and so many of them just stopped going to class and dropped out and it was sort of a self-selecting like it weeded out a chunk of people really fast who Mm -hmm. just didn't they got distracted too easily. And it's like, well, it's good. You know that now, like better to learn it now yeah. than later.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's a, uh, honestly, I feel like that's one of the the biggest keys to finding success in this industry is just to outlast because yes! you know, yes! <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy how excited people are to pursue something because a- everything we do is basically fun, but having to work so hard to do it or having to do it for a long period of time can be exhausting for a lot of people and, and it's just not for them. And like you said, better for them to find out early because it's not easy to make a career out of this.
1: Yeah, I think it's Edward, uh, Edward James almost was interviewed once and he said, um, he's like, I've never known anyone to fail at having a career as long as they stuck with it. He's like, every single one of my colleagues who has stuck with it eventually has a career right Uh, he's like it's when you it's all the people who abandon ship that don't like they're the ones who quote-unquote fail he's like but if if you just keep going you'll find a way
0: yeah yeah and i almost feel like uh like if anybody asks like oh what's the key to to success and you just say persistence it's it's it it almost feels like i'm giving a cop-out but it's so true like you said it's you know if you stay in it long enough you will learn other things and and things just need time to develop and yeah. relationships need time to build and and your skill set needs time to grow so yeah it's yeah. it doesn't work for people who who want instant gratification right um but anyway so did you move to LA right after graduating and by the way I totally understand that sentiment because I'll annoy the crap out of listeners but they know that like I'm I, even though I'm a California kid I love New York I yeah. I wish I did what you did and like experience living there for some point in my life but but yeah so did you end up leaving as soon as you graduated
1: i i left before i graduated i i finished the school i graduated the school but i class ended on i'm gonna say like may 1st and graduation was like may 22nd and you so most people were just hanging out for three weeks like having this great time being like yay i didn't even go to the graduation i finished class i, I mean i was i knew i was gonna graduate the uh, the program Uh, I finished class, flew back to Seattle, like moved out, flew back to Seattle, uh, packed up stuff and drove down to L.A. Like it was I I was I was fully in L.A. living in my apartment in West Hollywood when all my friends were like posting pictures on Facebook, being like, we graduated. And I was like, good (laughs) for you. But I also so fucking stupid of me. I thought I had to get here ASAP. And that like by the end of that first month, I was going to have booked something (laughs) Let me tell you what, that did not happen. I should have stayed in New York for those three weeks, had a great time with my friends, gone to the graduation and like stayed home that summer. It was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the thing that's so tricky is so many things like, like they always say, oh, don't make your demo too early or whatever, all these other things. But like the thing that makes it tricky is your like, you can you're working hard but if you're working hard too soon so to speak you don't realize like what to work hard towards right. and what will work and manifest like like i i've said this before but for my first demo was an animation demo and like i would i felt like i just knocked it out of the park and it wasn't horrible but like at the time my my priority was let's do as many different voices and characters as possible so like i tried to do like 14 and squeeze it in but like if half of them are generic characters Hollywood's already got plenty of good people to do that and if the acting isn't the focus then it doesn't matter how many characters you do so but I didn't know this at the time so I was pissed when nobody answered my calls <laughs> Oh
1: my <laughs> God. Uh, I have a story that uh so I did uh I got into voiceover sort of on uh, right around my 30th birthday like just after and I decided to pursue it and so I spent a year doing I mean I took Every class I could, I studied with everyone I could. Privates, group classes, uh, I went to every workshop I could, and kind of worked. You know, I was like, "I'm going to spend the next year of my life. This is this is graduate school 2.0. Like, I am I am going to graduate school for voiceover. My on camera career is not going anywhere. This is my thing. I'm going to make it my thing, come hell or high water." And I put everything I had into it. And in this 12 month cycle, I was probably eight months in, six months in. And I did a workshop with, uh, Pat Fraley.
0: Okay.
1: Who, uh, for those of you who don't know is the voice of like Krang from the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, he's the voice of so much of our childhood and he is here and has workshops here and his agent, Pat Brady, who's the head agent at CESD. Um, it was a workshop with her and like a whole day thing. And I came and I did it. And afterwards she reached out and was like, I'm impressed with what you got kid. Come on in and uh, read for us. And so I went in, they gave me, you know, different copy, commercial promo, some animation. And then she said, I want you to put together about a minute worth, like a live demo, basically mm-hmm. just a minute worth of characters, six, eight, where you're just going to say one or two lines as them. But I just, we just want to like a, cause I didn't have a demo yet. So she was mm-hmm. like, we just want a sense of what you can do. And I came in, talked to her very briefly, went into the booth with the booth director at CESD and you know, I did the, I did the, the promo, I did the commercial, I did, I did the, the various spots, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Okay, now let's do the minute of work." And I was like, "I have a few more than six characters." And he was he kind of looked at me funny, and I was like, "Okay, kid, like show me what you got." <laughs> and ten minutes later, and I don't even know. I mean, I packed in everything. I wanted to show that I could literally do everything. Right. And the problem with that is one, I couldn't, and two. <laughs> if you stick around long enough they realize you put your pants on one leg at a time just like anyone else so that thing they really liked that i did in one or two or three things mm-hmm. like by the time they were done listening to me that had completely worn off like whatever <laughs> so yeah she called me like two days later i was like yeah we're gonna she's like i am rooting for you and go out there and make a billion dollars please i'm mm-hmm. rooting for you but like unfortunately it won't be here that you have that opportunity mm-hmm. um good lesson of like right when they ask for six voices you don't need to give them 60 most of which suck correct yeah. <laughs> Thank
0: i you. know and that feels like such a simple lesson that you wouldn't have to learn the hard way but you know when you don't already know it it's right. it's like driving stick like you you understand the concept all right get off the clutch and then add the gas but you don't really know the timing and finesse of it right. least, yeah. yeah um yeah i i hear you man i uh, <laughs> i basically had the same thing happen so oh, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually uh that kind of reminds me of this isn't exactly related but uh when i was looking to go with a bigger agency i got a meeting with uh at the time it was abrams oh, yeah? and before that i had a let's see like uh you know a meet the agents workshop set up for Vox and uh I thought, well, should I just cancel this because I already have the meeting? And that's I wanted to get the meeting. That's the thing. And then I said, you know what? Right. You never know what happens. I'll keep it. And sure enough, like at the meeting, I kind of shot myself in the foot by over preparing and not just like being myself and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 And and just had an off day. And then that workshop with Vox ended up being the thing that I knocked out of the park and and got a good sense of everything. Oh, that's so, amazing. So had I not had I, had I canceled that, you know, it might might have taken much longer for me to find. You know, uh, an agency to go with, but yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you're obviously with uh, Dean Panaro, right? So, how much time passed from from that CSC meeting and until going with Dean?
1: A few months, uh, like I said, I, it was sort of like six to eight months in that cycle. Okay, so some nice symmetry here. Um, uh, how long of a story do I want to do? I want to make this for you. <laughs> um Okay, so when I was, it was the night before my thirtieth birthday that I had this revelation that the on-camera career wasn't going anywhere and that I should try voiceover. I'm going to condense the story a little bit. Um, so on my 30th birthday, like I woke up and my, cause I, 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 now I have to tell the long version of the story cause I don't know how to condense stories. Um, it's totally my fun. wife is all, my wife is always like, I didn't need that much context. And I was like, well, I felt like you did. Uh, so I was like the on-camera career was going nowhere. And I put set my 30th birthday as my, like, if I am not, a working actor by 30. That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving the city. I'm leaving the industry. I'm out. Let me tell you what didn't happen. And like a few months out from that, I was aware that it wasn't going to happen. So I kind of started to like auction off my dreams. I mean, I was basically like, this isn't happening. I'm, I'm done with this dream. What else can I do? And there's all this expectation and, and self-doubt and self-loathing because I wasn't doing the thing that I thought I could do. And it seemed like such a waste of potential and myself and my, fucking 20s that I was now on the doorstep to 30 which when you're 20 you think 30 is the end of the line and then you hit 30 you realize it's just the beginning Mm -hmm. um so but then I had this a moment and like things kind of all lined up for me and my best friend called me uh on my 30th birthday I was like how's it feel old man because he's like a few months younger than me and I was like I'm free he's like what I was like I'm free like I'm free of this expectation and I can now put all my eggs into this voiceover thing, which kind of in a very short span of time, like literally like three or four days, it was sort of like what you were saying about putting energy into things that you don't, and you're wasting so much of your time, like chasing the wrong thing. And then it isn't until someone tells you or shows you that you're like, why was I doing that? It was <laughs> like, it, when I decided to do VO, everything became easy. That doesn't mean it all became easy. Like there's been ups and downs, right. all that. but like I made that I saw something that enlightened me right before my 30th birthday. And then I received an email that I was just on a blast of something that was like, hey, sign up for this VO, uh, this animation class. And I was like, "Okay," And I did it. And then another one. And it was like within three or four days, all these things just kind of lined up. And it was like, oh, okay, things have gotten easier. That must mean I'm going in the right direction. Um, So that was 30th birthday. Exactly one year later, the night before my birthday again, um, which is when I had my existential crisis that led to this. One year later, I did a, uh, a meet the meet the agent night with Marilyn Wisner. Mm -hmm. um and dean panero and performed for him and then he signed me in the room Um, oh wow exactly uh one year to the day (laughs) and then exactly one year to the day after that i booked my first like major role so it it was like it was nice like again like when things go right there seems to be this sort of pattern or or symmetry or ease to it where it feels like the river is flowing with you or helping you get to the next point
0: That was part one with Armin Taylor. Lots of good times and lots of good tips, like tip number one. Don't be afraid to pivot if your efforts seem to lean somewhere unexpected. Armin came to LA to pursue on-camera acting, but after years of trying and not getting enough traction, he realized opportunities seemed to come more often from VO, so he decided to pivot. I can't say that word without thinking of friends, too. Be persistent. It almost sounds cliche, but lots of people burn out and stop pursuing this career. As long as you're putting the work in, so much of success in this industry is just about enduring. And three, it's better to show agents and casting directors what you can do extremely well than to show all the things you can kind of do okay. Showing quantity over quality is a pretty surefire way to talk yourself out of a booking. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.